2 Timothy chapter number 2, 2 Timothy chapter number 2, and as they were singing, I certainly am thankful for mercy, aren't you? I also had a thought, it's a random thought, you ever have those random thoughts? Uh, some of you, all your thoughts are pretty random, but I had a recollection as, as the Stanleys came up to sing a duet, for some reason it popped in my mind all the years of listening to the Hudsons sing a duet, and then their kids and wives have sung duets, so I don't know what about the duet thing, but just the generation thing, that's a blessing, isn't it? I, I look forward to, is it too early to talk about Lily having a, yeah, probably a little too early, okay, all right, Second Timothy chapter number two, and uh, we have started a series on Wednesday night, A Charge to Keep, Paul received the faith from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me remind us very quickly, it's all about the faith. Our decisions are about the faith. Our relationships are about the faith. Our purpose is about the faith. Uh, we want to propagate the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the faith. It was received by, from Paul. Then it was committed from Jesus to Paul. Paul took it and committed to Timothy. That's the, that's the, that's the Bible way. That's the plan. Faithful man to faithful man. What we get from that is who we've received the faith from, they've committed to us, it's our responsibility to keep it, to charge to keep, and then to commit it to someone else so that the faith continues. We should take as much, put as much seriousness on the faith that we've received as Timothy when he received it from Paul. It should not be a flippant thing, it's a charge for us to keep. It's a very serious thing. I do not play church. This is the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, this is something that should be preached, propagated, and defended. We should have that mindset. If there's anything this world needs, it's, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And how are they going to have him without the faith, without the gospel, uh, without the propagation of that? If we don't keep the faith, the death, burial, the resurrection, the gospel, that becomes watered down, then there's those that come behind us, they're not going to have a pure gospel, which means they don't have the gospel. Uh, if you add one drop of works to, to, the, to, to, to salvation, it's not salvation. And so that faith must be preserved. And so that's the charge to keep. Now, this is the third Wednesday night that we're going to deal with second in a row. We're going to deal with 2 Timothy chapter number 2, beginning with verse number 15. And so let's begin reading there, verse number 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Now let me stop right there. Paul points out, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he calls two names and he says they've erred. Um, he doesn't offer a, well, they meant well. Well, they, it's just to point out there's truth and there's error. Again, reminding us of what the importance is. Verse 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. 
Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Now, we have given this the title, this lesson that's now in the third week of Paul's warning to Timothy or uh, a progression to an overthrown faith. Look at me at verse number 18, 18 again. Who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some? It does not mean, again, it does not mean they were saved, and because of this doctrine or this belief, now they're unsaved. It means their faith is overthrown, and the, fact, it's, it's the easiest explanation is we all know somebody who used to believe like we believe, and now they espouse beliefs that are not what they were taught. They are not what this book teaches. But you remember when they learned what they learned. You remember when they preached what they, what they believed. You remember when they stood by what they believed. But along the way, their faith has been overthrown. We have to be remember to put things in categories that God, the Bible, puts them in. <clears throat> there are some who've never had the truth. We're to, we're to attempt to win them with the truth. If we get far enough into this, I'm going to, I'm going to teach a very important thing tonight <clears throat> when it comes to living, being peaceable uh, with different men. Uh, but they've never had it. That's why we're to give it to them. Uh, there's, a different, ask, there's a different warning. We've seen this over the past few months. For those who have it, then give it up. The Bible warns and it tells us in the last days, one of the signs of the last days, the days of apostasy, meaning there's a great falling away. They had the truth, and they gave it up. The problem we have in our world today is the fact that there's some who have the faith, and they've given it up. They know they ought to be in the house of God. They're not. They know they ought to be serving, and they're not. They know they ought to be a witness, and, and, and they're not. God has never said he's going to save the world through the lost world, but it's through the church. And so it's important for us to, I don't want to be a castaway. I don't want to be one say, well, he used to believe. Uh, I want to die believing what I believe tonight. And so we're going to look at that progression. So in order to not have my faith overthrown, then I must look at what Scripture says to see this progression. This is why your pastor is so firm and has sent out some warnings through the years. Stay away from those who teach this. Stay away from those who do this. Why? Because the Bible tells us that there's a progression to getting to the place where you said you'd never be. Well, I'll never give up my Bible. If you don't guard yourself, there's a progression. There's a progression, and so we want to look at that tonight. Father, help us as we look into your word, and may we allow these truths to continue to help us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll move very quickly through the introduction to just refresh us where we are. I think, I think last, last week we got through point number one. We accomplished something. We got through a whole point last week, and so uh, I'm going to try. I'm going to do my best to get through the entire study tonight. Uh, there are eight points. That means we have seven to go, uh, so I'm going to move very quickly, and if I need to cut it off, I'll just cut it off, and, uh, and uh, we'll pick it up next week, but I'm going to try and get through, so I'm going to move very quickly through some of these truths, but let me just refresh your memory very quickly. Uh, Paul writes Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 and reminds him that all Scripture is profitable. 
Uh, we read the Bible because it's, a pro- it's profitable. Why do we have Wednesday night Bible study and not a Wednesday night program? Because programs can be beneficial, but what is profitable is the teaching of the Word of God. Why do we have Sunday school? Because it's profitable. Uh, why, why are we not going to change our Sunday night service to do uh, different things? Because the preaching of the Word of God is profitable. We don't want to get away from that which is profitable. And he, he, then he tells them, and we say that to say, if you stray from the word of God, you lose the profitability, and there's some things that work against the faith, and we want to be warned against those. Paul warns him in our passage of scripture tonight that uh, there are those who have their faith overthrown. They, ha- they, they believed a certain way, and what did they do? They listened to Hymenus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred. You do not read the Bible and get another doctrine. It's impossible. If you read the Bible, you get Bible doctrine. If you study the Bible, you get Bible doctrine. If you listen to people, you get false doctrine. Outside of the true church, you name every quote-unquote denomination, they were all started by a man who saw something out of, outside of Scripture. That's why you have different beliefs. That's why you have different uh, religions. It's because it's outside of the Bible. Doctrine is what separates. So there's a warning to not have your faith overthrown. And there's some things that we must guard against. Now, last week we looked at verse number 16. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Um, the, 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 the babblings, the, I liken it to a pack of hunting dogs who tracks their prey. They don't kill the prey, they just bark at it. And they bark at it, and they bark at it, and they bark at it. And we, as those with the gospel, that should not be us just doing a lot of barking. Because the scripture is profitable. That's why, if you recall last Wednesday night, we're not taking up social causes in the church. The church has a cause. It's to reach the world with the gospel. It is not to reform our country. It's not to reform our world. It's not to reform religion. It's not to, to, to quote-unquote, right every wrong. It is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because that rights every wrong. That is the purpose of the church. And we are suffering in our, in our country today because churches are getting sidetracked, thinking they're making a difference many times, but they're not. Because remember what's profitable. The scripture is profitable. The scripture will take care of it. The, the, the word of God is what, what helps. And so there's the warning against profane and vain babblings. I'll not reteach that. Uh, you can watch uh, the uh, uh, message from last Wednesday night. We get to number two, and we'll see how far we get in this, in this mindset of avoiding having our faith overthrown. And hopefully as we go through this progression, you'll get an understanding Sometimes you don't understand why your pastor comes in and and takes a very strong position against something. It's because the scripture says there's a progression. I don't want to protest at number seven. Because when you get to number seven, it's too late. I want to protest at number one and number two. And young people, young adults, especially teenagers, everybody, but especially that age, you, you need to listen to your pastor tonight. You don't always know what number seven is, but the Bible tells us what number seven is. I'm going to protest at number one and number two, and it doesn't make sense sometimes. Well, is it really that big of a deal? It is because after number one comes number two. After number two comes number three. And there is a point, and sometimes it breaks this pastor's heart whenever I I, I address something with someone, and you can see it. 
They've gone too far in that progression. They're not coming back. And as I taught several Sunday nights ago, those that leave the faith, the Bible says you're not getting them back. So if the Bible tells me that, and we believe the Bible, don't we? Then I must do everything I can, first of all, personally, to stay away from that. Secondly, I must do everything I can as a, as a preacher of the gospel, as a pastor, to warn others before, long before they get there. So the protest is going to come at number one. We're not bringing the social gospel in. Why? Because that's vain and profane babblings, as I addressed last week. So, Pastor, you're not against... No, because what it is, and I had this discussion today with, with one of the people I met with, is, and they certainly agree with me, and they're not a member here, so I know, I know it's logical thinking, is, is you, you get that in, and then they come and say, you can't say Jesus is the only way, because that, you, you're only saying that because you hate Muslims. So now that's hate speech because of a social gospel. If we just stick with the Bible, you know, we'll be okay. It, it, and that's the whole point of that. So as we, I've, I made all that point just to get us thinking. We shouldn't guard necessarily, start with the end, start at the beginning. Number one, shun those things. Then as we get to number two, uh, we, we need to be very careful. Depart from iniquity, the Bible says. Look, at, look in verse number 19, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Now, that again goes with what I've been saying with overthrow the faith. It doesn't mean they've lost their salvation. There's some who, who they, I was there when they got saved. I watched them, the fruit, there's evidence of their salvation. They would tell you tonight that they don't even believe they're saved. They don't believe there's a heaven and a hell. They don't believe there's a word of God. Now, but verse 19 says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Even though man breaks his word, aren't you glad God keeps his? When he says that you're saved, you're saved. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Again, if God knows, it's not my responsibility to determine. Because there's some that I would say, there's no way. But the foundation of God standeth sure. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now, help me. I want you to pay attention tonight. I know it's a rainy Night, I know it's in the middle of the summer, but you need to help me. I know the King James Bible is hard to understand, but please help me. Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Is there an exception in that? Is there a loophole? So, the Bible says, let everyone that nameth the name of Christ. How many of you are saved tonight? Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Well, we just all named the name of Christ. So, let me help us know who it is. Now, before I continue, <clears throat> if you put on your social media page that you're a Christian, you just name the name of Christ. Okay, here we go. Let everyone that name the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Iniquity is unrighteousness. Iniquity is sin. So we know we all have a sin problem. We're to try and live our life being holy and righteous in our actions, our thoughts, everything. That's the way a Christian is supposed to live. But we're not just supposed to live that way. We're supposed to depart from it. Uh, it, is a, it is sin. Father Jack Howell used to make a statement that's so profound. People never leave truth for error. They leave truth for sin. You mark this down, and I'll get into this point a little further. Somebody who leaves the faith, there's a sin problem. There's a hidden sin problem. There, there's a pride problem, there's sin. 
But you, there is a sin problem, and these that like to put themselves above the Word of God, you just give it some time, and it will become evidence. You don't leave truth for error. There's nothing in The Holy Spirit doesn't lead us from that which is right to that which is wrong. <clears throat> so we must depart from, we must stay away from, let me, let me, of course, there's the sins of the flesh. I don't have to go through the list tonight. We all have a basic understanding of what sin is. Um, I'll remind us that gossip's also sin. Now, we don't do these other sins, but gossip's the Christian sin. And so that's okay. Now, I don't think any of us, if we're honest tonight, we could talk about those sins of the flesh. We know a Christian should not partake in them. We know. Even those who try to make an argument for some, they know, or they wouldn't be making such a hard argument. You know, but we know, if you're honest, you know you shouldn't gossip. You know you shouldn't tear down somebody. You know you shouldn't have a critical spirit. We know that. But the Bible's talking about more than just not doing it. If you don't want to have your faith overthrown, the Bible says, Paul tells to Timothy, you better depart from iniquity. You better stay away from it. You better depart from the places, the people, and the things if you are going to stay with the faith. See, sin will ruin your life. Everybody listen to me. Young people listen to me. Sin will ruin your life. It will destroy you. It will take that which is good from you. It will destroy you. Sin will take you from the faith. It'll take it from the faith. Because the faith is the holiness of God. The faith is reaching the world with the gospel. So therefore, I've got to come out from the world to be more like Christ so I can reach the world with the gospel. You can't reach the world with unholiness. Man, we fall, we, we, we fall into these arguments. We hear these, the, 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 these foolish explanations, well, we, we got to be, and they don't say more unholy. We got, we, we just, so that we can reach the world. You can't reach an unholy world with unholiness. You can't be a good witness if you're unholy. So therefore, holiness is part of it. So I must depart. I shouldn't partake in it, but I should depart from it. It means using gossip as an illustration. I just picked an easy one there. Uh, it means I should not be in a conversation where I am tearing down someone. But what this means, it takes it further. If I walk up on a conversation, I should leave that conversation. We can use that with gossip. We can use it with sin in general, iniquity. If I approach a situation and it's not right, then I should leave that situation. It can be places. Sometimes we go to places and it's like, well, this isn't what I thought it was. So I must depart from it. Uh, sometimes it's people and it's like, I shouldn't be, I've, got, I've got to depart. Um, it's our responsibility to depart from that. The gossip I use, a sinful lifestyle. And this is, this is where it's going to get a little bit pointed, but we'll be okay. Because we believe the Bible, don't we? We just all name the name of Christ, so we should all be on the same page from departing iniquity. I mean, we believe it, but 
It means that I should not partake in a sinful lifestyle. I definitely shouldn't promote it on social media. And, and let me just say this. There's, and I've been on this a lot lately, and I'm going to continue to be on it because the world we live in, there's some of you, if I only knew you from your social media, I'd have no clue you're a Christian. That's not everybody. And I know about the less popular social media accounts that you don't think anybody knows about too. Because for some reason, people think when they see someone, they think a pastor needs to know about it. And, and I just, I'll just put that out. It applies. You, you know it applies. But we shouldn't promote a simple lifestyle. I've taught this, and I'm going to say it again. Why in the world would we like something that is against this Bible? I can love somebody without endorsing iniquity. You know, well, I want them to know I love them. No, you're not, you're not showing them you love them. We'll get to that in this progression you are endorsing their iniquity. My Bible says, depart from it. Well, I have a relationship. Okay, but God said, depart from iniquity. You're the one making it personal. They're making it personal. I'm just looking at iniquity that I'm supposed to stay away from. I can't help that person in that iniquity if I'm in it with them. Depart from iniquity. There are Christians... I know they're saved that are sitting because it's not, not on Sunday night or Wednesday night because they get enough Bible on Sunday morning with their praise band, apparently. They sit on these emergent, liberal, non-gospel preaching churches on Sunday morning. There's no doctrine there. There's no Bible there. How'd they get there? Iniquity. They got upset at the Bible preaching place, or they got distant because of the stand on the Word of God, didn't match up with their sinful lifestyle. So we must depart from it. I'm going to follow up with this in point number three. If I like something, I know it's... And by the way, if they're your friend on Facebook, they're not really your friend. They don't, they don't know you. I know them. I've, I've, I've been a, their friend. We celebrated our friend anniversary recently. I mean, we're, we're, we're best friends. We're, we're, you know, they, don't, they only post the mountaintops. They only pose for two hours to get that picture to put on there. You do realize that, right? But I'm not going to endorse something that is sinful. You ready for me to move on? Beware of people who are filled with iniquity and depart from their presence and influence. We must guard who, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there are people, I use that illustration, who are in these quote-unquote churches. They don't agree with what's being preached to them, but it, it'll, it'll, it, their, their, their iniquity fits better. The quote-unquote, I hate to use the term pastor because they're not a pastor. The, let me use a more appropriate. The charlatan that stands up there every week, the false prophet that stands up there every week and endorses their sin and gives them false doctrine, their sin feels comfortable. That's why I'm to, to depart from iniquity. Depart from it. Number three. Notice what else it says. 
in verse number 20, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Let me just say there, we have to have teaching like this. The reason why we're suffering is because we don't have teaching like this. Sin is still sin. And we, we need to stay away from it. And the truth of Scripture dem, demands that we stay a, a, a away from it, and hopefully this study helps us see the connection between holiness and doctrine. Because if you give up your holiness, you're giving up a doctrine of God. And if you'll give up the, a doctrine of God in one area, you'll give up a doctrine in the other. Notice verse 21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. See, I'm not going to get off of point number two. I'm an independent Baptist from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I'm an independent Baptist by conviction, not out of convenience, because sometimes it has not been very convenient. It's my conviction. It's my belief. It, but there's some independent Baptists that I won't associate with. Well, they're an independent Baptist. They need to depart from iniquity. I know the lifestyle they're living. They need to depart from iniquity. I know the change in their personal standards. And I still believe this Bible says sin is sin. We've got to be very, very careful where, well, they're this, or they're this, or they're this, or they're this. No, what does the Bible say that I'm to do? In that case, depart from iniquity. Okay, now I'm really moving to number three. Verse 21, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor and sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared for every good work. We are supposed to, number three, purge ourselves from the dishonorable. Verse 20 talks about vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. Then in verse 21, if a man therefore purge himself from these. So if I am going to guard my faith and keep it from being overthrown, uh, therefore I need to purge from the dishonorable. The word purge is not a passive word. It's a, a word of extreme action. It means we separate anything detrimental from our lives in any way possible. What could make me a vessel of dishonor? I'm the purge from that. We've got to get out of the mindset of, well, get the, I want to have it spelled out. And there's all these Bible principles that just, you know, when it comes to just holiness, I need to try to be more holy. And what is going to keep me from being the best Christian that I possibly could be? Because the Bible does teach us that if it's a stumbling block, then, we are, then it's wrong. So we, that's one example. So I'm supposed to purge. I'm supposed to make an act of removing these dishonorable things from our life. Let me give you some examples. Y'all ready? We want some examples? Or you want me to just move on? I'm going to give you some examples anyway. There is good music and bad music. There's holy music and profane music. And, you know, I, mean, I, I remember growing up, I mean, the preaching on the rock music and this and that. The music is so vile today. Really, we don't have to do as much preaching on the world's music because it's so vile and wicked. And please, especially, especially you young adults, don't come to me trying to make a justification for listening to the world's music. It's vile. It's wicked. There's no defense of it. But just because you put Christian words or a Christian label on rock music doesn't make it right. So what do you do? Purge. 
purge, remove it. I, I remember services, and I guess we need to have some of these again when these things would be hit, and then people would lay their ungodly music at the altar and give it up. What were they doing? They were purging. You say, well, Pastor, I, I don't think this is a... I know you don't think it's a big deal, but let me refer you back to when I said, I'm going to make a protest at number one and number two and number three and before it gets to number seven because I know the progression of the Scripture. So there need, do you need to purge? It's about being a, a, a vessel of honor or dishonor. Was God honored with your music choices? That's a good way to decide what kind of music is he honored by. It. So we should purge our music. And by the way, I don't care if it doesn't meet all the criteria. If the person singing it just doesn't have a lifestyle that I think is honoring the Lord, I don't listen to it. Oh, I think I've got on everybody tonight, so I might as well. You know, I... There's some good music, and it's not coming, I mean, nothing that I would say may have a good message, may not have the wrong beat. I just have a hard time paying money to go listen to somebody who has no doctrinal purity. They'll be in a Baptist church one week. They'll be in a charismatic church the next week. They'll be in a church of God the next week. They'll be in a Coliseum the next week. If I'm going to have somebody sing, sing music to try and spiritually edify me, I want them to have at least some doctrinal purity. Next example, how about purging our libraries? Now, it's all about do you want to be, see, this is, this is, can I say it like this? This is big boy Christianity. This is not surface, this is, I want to be a disciple of Christ. I want to take the faith that has been given to me, and I want to guard it, I want to protect it, and I want to do everything I can to safeguard myself. I don't want to have my faith overthrown. If I can say it like this, there's some who I believe are better Christians than I was. Their faith is overthrown tonight. It's because they didn't guard themselves. So I need to purge that which might take me a different way. And so it's honor or dishonor, our libraries. What are you, re what are you putting in your mind? There's a lot that I could cover there. There's just some stuff I don't have to specify that you should not read. Because the Bible does talk about what you think. What you think is what you are. And there's a long verse that gives all the different things that it should be and shouldn't be. So there's certain, I'm not saying there's, it doesn't always have to be, quote unquote, a spiritual book. Some of them are worse. You know, I, I read a lot of history. Now, typically, that's fine to read, but I, that doesn't need to be all I read. Should, should read the Bible every once in a while, you know. What about your library? Here we go. What about these Christian authors that, that contain doctrinal error in them? Well, it's, 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 it's not really, well, is, it, is there doctrinal error in it? We, we, could we all agree, and I think if you, if, if you don't agree with this, you've probably been hiding under a rock for the last generation. Can we, can we all agree that the devil has used television to, to change the mindset of people? He, he can also do it with the written, or it's not so passionate about the printed page and the ministry that God has given us here and want to write as many books as I can because the truth of the good stuff does need to get out. But if they're not doctrinally 
pure, you shouldn't be reading them. If you have a question about it, come ask me. I'll be honest. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Because we we must guard ourselves. And and I've used these names recently, and I'll use them again. Ladies, you've got to be very, very careful. Ladies are are, are usually read more than men do. We read the, you know, how to shoot a bigger deer, how to catch more fish. Um, Ladies tend to read more. You've got to be careful about doctrinal impurity. Because ladies are more emotional. Now, don't come argue with me about that. That will be, I'll just look case in point. Um, so they read things that appeal. There's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of these false prophets, the Joyce Myers, the Beth Moore, and there's others, you shouldn't read them. Because their doctrine's not right. Well, their devotionals are so good. Okay, well, well the, the doctrine's not right. There needs to be a, I want to be, and if you don't want to do this, that's fine. But I want to be, it's not fine, but you know what I mean. I don't want to be a vessel of dishonor. I, I want to be one of honor. And if I'm to do that, I've got to purge some things that influence me. I don't want, there, see, there's, I use history as an illustration. You may think this is extreme, but it would it, be a good illustration. There, there's, I read a lot of history, as, as I've already mentioned. And there, I know some, there's some great modern-day historians who their writing is just right there. But there's a couple. I read the first couple and, and of, their, of their, their books, and I read another one, and it's, it's not accurate. There's a, there's a viewpoint, the slant that they're trying to make. I don't read them anymore. You say, well, I want to know, I want to know what really happened. And that might be a simple, when it comes to the truth of God's word, we need to be very, very careful of that. It's a good idea to purge. Okay, you ready for this one? How about a social media purge? I wrote a chapter on that in my book, Satan's Toolbox. Matter of fact, that would be a good blog post coming out and a good article in an upcoming newspaper. You know what would know, cause a revival amongst Christians to do a social media purge? If somebody leaves the faith, and, and, and you know I'm on social media. I'm not as active as some. You know I'm, I'm, I'm out there. I, you know, I post some stuff out there. But if they leave the faith, then only they're not getting a like. As far as social media is concerned, I'm not following them. Wow, that's good, that's good Pastor. That, that's, that's good. That's good. Way to per- That's good. They turned their back on their mom and dad. I'm not applauding them. I'm not liking their post. And if they run into me, it's not going to be about they left their church. It's going to be eyeball to eyeball. Why are you making your mama cry? I'm definitely not going to applaud them. Well, they need to know. That's not the way. No, just applauding their sin. You need a social media purge. And be careful who influences you. Maybe it would be a great thing. Maybe, maybe you need to purge your, mu- your music. Maybe you need to purge your library. I know as Christians we need to purge our social media. Who, who, who do we let influence us? You ready for me to move on to number four? Let me finish this point. We need to be less lenient today about things that are not holy and sacred. 
Um, see, this is why social media, I don't, if you, if you follow me on social media or whatever the word is, I don't see what you do. I make a point not to see what you do. Because when the Lord puts something on my heart and I bring it to this pulpit, I don't want to be, he saw my post. No, I've got more to do than, than, than scroll. Um, but if it applies, apply it. There are holy things and there are profane things. We need to make sure that we are not lenient on that which is profane. I want to be a vessel of honor. In order to do so, Paul instructed Timothy to purge these things from his life. You know what I will applaud? You know what I will like to use that vernacular? I will like the faithfulness of God's people. I will like the stand that is taken. I'll like when I notice that, that somebody who serves in some capacity, they're carrying a burden, but they show up anyway. They're not feeling good, and they show up anyway. That's what we need to applaud. That's what we need to cheer, not the rebellion and the ungodliness of people. Number four, flee youthful lust. Verse 22. Now, I know our Bible's hard to understand, but it says flee youthful lust. Is there any exception to that? Is there any loophole? It's just what the Bible says. So we're coming down to, if I really want to keep my faith from being overthrown, it comes down to whether or not I believe the Bible or not. And I just noticed the time, so I will get this point in, and we'll pick up the rest next week. Flee means escape rapidly or run away as fast as you can. So it's hard to be fleeing something if you're following it on social media. It's hard to be fleeing something if you're going there and hanging out there. It's hard to be fleeing something if you're, if you're participating in conversations or you're allowing people to influence you. We ought to influence the world with our righteousness. That doesn't mean we go to all of these unholy places so that we can know. Our light should shine. That's how we influence the world with our holiness, not with more unrighteousness, not with more compromise. And truth of the matter is, we know the things that I'm, I'm, I'm bringing out tonight from this book is true because all of us, if not all of us, most of us have been in church long enough that now that we are teaching through this, you could, somebody comes to mind and you see the steps that I'm going through. You see them back in their life. I don't want to be, have my faith overthrown. And that's the, that's the play today. That's what takes place on all, 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 of, all of the gossip on the internet, all the water cooler stuff, all the justification. Instead of focusing on my sin that destroyed my life, it's that bad pastor's fault. It's that Baptist church's fault. It's that, it's that Bible's fault. That's why I got to have another Bible. No, it's, it's your sin. You, you, you didn't purge when your mom and dad put some rules in your life and said purge. You ignored the pastor when he preached the word of God and said avoid and flee. You ignored all of that. And now it's like, well, I just don't know. Because it's easier to say, I don't know if God's really God. And when you say, I don't know if that Bible is really the Bible, that's what you're saying. I don't know if God's really big enough to preserve his word. I don't know if God's really God. It's easier to say that than look in the mirror And take responsibility for your own poor choices because you did not listen to the Word of God. 
So where, where am I going to find a church? I got to find one that doesn't preach that book. Therefore, I'm not affected by worship because it's not the truth. It's not doctrine. So we should flee these things. We should run away from these things. He says his youthful lust, Timothy was a younger man, and there's all kinds of youthful lust. Obviously, some things come to our mind, but there's, there's lifestyle, the lust after a certain kind of lifestyle. There's lust after having certain financial things. So some young people fall into the prey. They're not looking to say, necessarily. They hear some of the things I'm saying about the doctrine. They say, oh, I don't want to do all that. There's just a life that I want to have. That's a youthful lust. And quite frankly, young people, and we have some, you'll graduate in the next few years, hopefully. There's going to come that decision, what do I do with my life? And you know how I'm going to point you. Well, this is what I've always wanted to do. Like it or not, that's a youthful lust. I've grown up, I want to do that. Youthful lust. Where's God? Now, if God takes you that way or allows you to, that's fine. But it, it needs to be that. I better close. Should I close on a positive note? The positive is that you're a vessel of honor. I would rather be by myself in the presence of God and God say, consider me a vessel of honor than have all the pats on the back in this world and be a vessel of dishonor. I've enjoyed, I'll get to the rest of this next week. I've enjoyed, I don't enjoy these meetings with bankers, but I enjoy telling them of the vision Part of it is they want me to tell them about me. And I'm like, well, you got all day? My story, and I've enjoyed two times today telling my story of how my father came here when I was six years of age. I grew up in this church. I never, I, when I was growing up, I never thought this, never dreamed this, and now I get to pastor, not just in my father's footsteps, but the church that I grew up in. And I give a, I give a tell how now even some of my deacons, I grew up with their kids, I talk about how there's generations that I get to now. I have the power to, to fire my teachers that taught me. I've been so close. So many, no. I, I tell this story with joy. And you can, you can, you can, in the, one of the bankers today, he said, this story, this story tells itself. This is going to be an easy story. When those who sit in the auditorium tonight and some that aren't able to be here watching tonight, and they did watch me grow up, not to age you. They taught me in Sunday school. They taught me in school. This is the point I'm getting to. When they see my life, I want them to, I want them to think that it was worth it. I want to be a vessel of honor. I won't, and I'm not perfect, close, but I'm not perfect. But I want to live a life that's a vessel of honor. I, I, don't, I want my mom and dad, when they consider my life, now with my mom, I am perfect. But I want it to be a vessel of honor. You know, the church I pastor, I want it to be, I, I'm a, I, I pastor you, but I'm a product of this church. 
I want to live my life to be a vessel of honor. This would change some of our decision-making if we thought of it this way. There's still that household of faith, and this passage is teaching, teaching their, their faith got overthrown. It doesn't mean they're not saved because the Lord knows who are theirs. His foundation is sure, but there's vessels of honor and there's vessels of dishonor. I don't want when people seem to say, ah, I invested in him, but, but you, know, he's, you know, they wouldn't say this, but just it's a vessel of dishonor, a waste of their efforts, a waste of their time. But more than anything else, when it comes to God himself, I would like for him to consider me a vessel of honor. And truthfully, that's our goal, should be. Should be our desire to be a vessel of, dis, a vessel of honor, not a vessel of dishonor. So it's, it's not even about pleasing the world versus pleasing your pastor. And by the way, you're not going to do both. So don't be upset at your pastor if he's not happy with you and the world's happy with you. You're not going to please both. I just think sometimes it's good to clarify that. Well, pastor's not going to be for it. What does that say? But it's not even about that. Replace the pastor with God. Does God consider me a vessel of honor and dishonor? God's the standard, not your pastor. As Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm to set myself up as an example, but ultimately we're following Christ. And the goal of our church is for us to just strive to be a vessel of honor. How is it? I look around, and there's many of you, you've been a member here. That's another thing that people are amazed by, the, the longevity. We've got new people, but we've got people who've been here a long time. We've got people who've been here like a long time. I mean, I was listening to Mrs. Ruck and Mrs. Wiles talk about Middlebury having like one traffic light. When, when, when they first saw it. So, I mean, and if you've been to Millburg lately, you know we don't have one traffic light. What's the point? They could testify what I'm saying is true. How do you keep that faith? You, you, you have to guard yourself in these other areas. So, we'll pick up next week, and it, it flips into some proactive things that we should do, not just avoid, but some things that we should go after. And then it ends with, um, some things that we can do for those who we influence and those who have had their faith overthrown, what we can do to try and help them. And so that's the way Paul ends it, and hopefully we'll get through all that uh, next week.